0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Churches Podcast. Listen, when you're trying to grow in Jesus, when you're trying to walk with Him, when you're trying to mature in Him, the local church, the body of Christ, we have to be there for one another. There is never a day when you outgrow needing the body of Christ. There is never a day when you're supposed to do this thing all on your own. My friend, that day will never come. together we link up arm to arm we get in the boat together we get in the fight together why so that we can become a living display of the glory of God of the gospel of Jesus Christ of the truth of his word a testimony that we have been changed we have been redeemed we have a new heart we have put on the new man we are now a new creature and it's all in Christ Jesus this morning if you believe that would just shout amen and praise the lord amen 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 it's good to be in the house of the lord it's good to feel the presence of the lord i thank the bishop this morning for bringing that word it it really ties into uh, my lesson today my, my message um In fact, I'm going to have you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and it'll be very familiar to you because Brother Bishop shared that verse of scripture with us. Ephesians chapter 4, read verses 11, 12, and 13, and then we'll jump over to Psalms 133 and verse 1. I do appreciate your prayers this morning. I'm not contagious with anything unless allergies are contagious. I don't know much about it. This is kind of my first uh, bout with him. 33 years old, and I'm just now getting hit with, uh, with allergies. So anybody else suffering from this horrible death on earth experience? It's terrible. So I do appreciate your prayers. Ephesians 4. All right, so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people with or to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In verse 13, he says, "Until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, and then jumping over to Psalms one thirty three, we'll just read one scripture here, verse number one. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together, when they dwell together in unity. I say unity in unity I want to talk to us just for the next little bit on this title a living display a living display amen and if you will help me this morning which I hope you will I promise to get us all out of here into Dairy Queen with the Hogan in a timely manner Amen. God bless you today. You may be seated. I really just kind of want to get straight into my message this morning. I'm talking about unity and the power of unity. Uh, I said a couple weeks ago, I believe it was on a Wednesday night adult Bible study, we were talking about forgiveness. And uh, one thing that forgiveness does for us is it brings about unity in the body of Christ. And I said this, that it is impossible for a church to have revival unless that church is unified. You see, there's a whole slew of things that we could place value on this morning, and and rightfully so. We place a high value on many different things. We place a high value on, on doctrine. We place a high value on uh, the worship service. Worship is important. There's a lot of different things that we could go and we could name this morning that we could say, I, I put this up there at the top of the list. I place such a high value on this. But if we are going to see revival, unity has to be at the top of the list we must be a unified body if we are going to see revival let me give you the definition of unity definition says it's the state of being one it's oneness it's a whole or totality as combining all its parts into one it's the state or fact of being united or combined into one As of the parts of a whole, it's unification. It is the absence of diversity, unvaried or uniform character. You'll find unity over and over again in strong families where husband and wife are united together. And I'll say this, strong families are united families. Families that stay together are united families they are there for one another I think about our boys so often as you know the scripture says to train up a child and then we take that scripture very seriously you know being in uh, control over two little humans is not the easiest thing in the world uh, but I feel very blessed this morning my two boys I love them like crazy but I know that as children grow up it's it's, hey, Dad, can you come out of the backyard and play catch? It's, Dad, can you come out and watch this? Hey, Dad, can you come out and help me with this? And That is all a part of of me training them, is getting out and it's me working with them. I don't want to ever be the dad that sits in there in the kitchen and looks out the window and watches my son throw a a baseball on the roof and watch it roll back just so he can catch it. But I want to be on the other end being the one catching the ball and throwing it back. It's a part of training. It's a part of me working with them. It's a part of me uh, uh, building them up to be the man or woman that they should be. And And that's what I was thinking about is that, you know, we can't ever let that happen in the body of Christ. I can't ever let it happen to my children where I'm not there for them because that's what unity does. It brings about a sense that we are there for one another and that's what I want to be for my family is that I'm there for them, I'm with them, I'm grabbing them by the hand and I'm taking them through the process. I'm helping them any way that I can. It's training. It's, it's we, the parents, as the trainers. And it's our job to be there. Listen, when you're trying to grow in Jesus, when you're trying to walk with him, when you're trying to mature in him, the local church, the body of Christ, we have to be there for one another. There is never a day when you outgrow needing the body of Christ. There is never a day when you're supposed to do this thing all on your own. My friend, that day... Will never come That's right. You're not meant to do it by yourself sure there are days that we, that will come when we sort of, we're off on our own doing things. We no longer need training. We no longer need somebody holding our hand. We no longer need mom or dad there showing us how to tie our shoes anymore. We get to that point where we could do it all by ourselves. But when it comes to the church, there is never that day. There is never a day where you're just off all by yourself. If that day ever comes, I pray that God would shake us a little bit and wake us up because I believe and I'm preaching this morning you need me and I need you we all make up the body of Christ and we must be there for one another (laughs) unity and if we're not there for one another when we try to follow him all on our own apart from the local church my friend we're going to make a mess of things We're going to wreck our lives is what we're going to do. In fact, I would venture to say that if you took a good hard look at the community of backsliders in the United Pentecostal Church alone, you would find those who just tried to do it all by themselves. They thought they could do it all by themselves, but church, you weren't designed that way. You were designed by him, by Jesus Christ, to follow him, intimately connected, intimately woven into the local church. We are the body of Christ. We're designed by God to do this intimately, intimately connected into and inside the local church. Now, to do that, for that to functionally happen, we have to kind of deconstruct some things about the church. Let me say this to you this morning. When we're talking about the church, having a conversation about the church, the church that I am speaking of is not an event. You see, so often church has become an event to society. It's become an event to the family. We have to stop seeing church as an event and as that thing that we do on Sunday. Or that thing that happens on the weekend or that thing that happens middle of the week. There are a lot of people that say, yeah, my family, we get up either on Sunday morning and we go to church. And church is the event that we go to on Sunday. And after work on Wednesdays, right after dinner, we go to church and and we have church tonight. Those are some phrases that you'll hear a lot of people say church has become an event. Listen, church is not an event to be attended, but it is an idea. The identity to be practiced yeah. it's not an event it's not a social club church is not an event to be attended but it is an identity to be practiced you read it in your scripture. Paul's going to come along. And if Paul were here today, Paul would say amen. Because it's a communal identity to be practiced. To, lived out in, to be lived out in the context of community. In the context of the local church. You see, when it becomes a shared identity to be practiced, we have a chance. Hear me today. We have a real chance at being the place that God wants us to be. We have a chance at being a place of grace. Landmark can be a place that we live grace-filled lives where we extend the grace of God and we receive the grace of God. We become an experience rather than just some event on the weekend. We find out that this is what Paul, this is what Paul's heart was for the Corinthian church. This is what Paul wanted in the church of Corinth because he knows in this, in this kind of local church where unity reigns, where transparency and honesty and vulnerability, uh, where those things are present, you have a chance at being a living display for the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because church, that's what it's all about. The church should exist to display the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I are here this morning not to show everyone our new outfit. Not to show everyone our kids new outfits. But we are here today to display the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are living examples of a life that has been transformed by his power. And this becomes possible when we're united. Our community, our community that we are called to, our community seeing Jesus Christ is dependent upon you and I being unified. I hope you feel the pressure of that statement. I hope you feel the weight of that statement and how vital it is for us to come together and be united. Our community seeing him is dependent on it. There's a mom in a home today who's praying, who is hoping that she could somehow find the Lord. And it is dependent upon the body of Christ coming together. There's a little boy who comes from a broken home who is dependent upon the local church to be united together. There is a family that has never heard the gospel being preached that is dependent today on you and I coming together and being united and becoming living displays of Jesus Christ. That is a driving burden for Paul. But sadly it wasn't happening in the church. You read it. 1 Corinthians Paul. Scripture says Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Let me stop right there for just a moment. This is not my sermon today. But anytime I read the word Paul. Paul. I kind of just have to stop a little bit. I can't read the word Paul and not stop and say, hey, listen, no matter what your background is, no matter where you came from, no matter what your pedigree is, no matter what your family, you see, you might be in here today all by yourself. You might be in here today saying, I wasn't raised in this price, or my parents don't go, or my friends don't go. I'm the only one in my family serving God. You might be that person here today. Your family might be as crazy as my family is. Let me tell you today, you're still invited in there is an invitation that has been sent out anytime you read the word paul i want you to hear it as an invitation just come on in because all are welcome you're welcome in this place today you're welcome in this room the grace of god can be for you Paul was a man who was guilty of sin. He was a man who murdered Christians, people who loved Jesus because they loved Jesus. That's the people that he was going after. And now he's the one who wrote the majority of the New Testament. No matter what your background, no matter what your history is, no matter where you came from, the word Paul says you're invited. The word Paul says come the grace of God is not removed from anyone. It's not so far reaching that it can't reach you. And I thank God today for his amazing grace. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and other brother uh, softness, and to the church of God that is in Corinth. Now, we have to kind of put ourselves in, in, in the place of Paul here. We have to remember Paul had gone to Corinth. He had preached the gospel. He was well acquainted with this church. Then there was this movement where men and women heard and responded and they believed. And he spent a year and a half teaching the word of God among them and planning this church. There was a lot of work involved. There was a lot of sweat and tears. He did it in the city of Corinth. And I want to know, I want to ask you, can you feel the heartbreak of Paul? as he writes this letter to the Corinthian church. You see, it was this it was this economic hub city of the day. Corinth was the city where there were trade routes running north, south, east, and west. Can you feel what Paul would have felt as he left a year and a half later saying, listen now, there's such an opportunity for the gospel to spread from here. Just by the virtue and nature of who you are and where you are, you're right in the middle of everything. There is such an opportunity for the gospel to spread to the ends of the earth. Just through you, Corinth. He's saying you don't have to be varsity. You just need to get along. You just need to love the Lord. And the gospel will naturally just spread out. But then Paul leaves. And listen to what happens. After Paul left, the church became divided. The church was divided, each following a different teacher, each following a different distinct personality. In their division over teachers, they minimized Christ to the level of a teacher. The rich were keeping to themselves. There was very little church discipline going on. They were loose on morality and doctrine. They were allowing sin that pagans wouldn't. They were unwilling to submit to authority. Paul's apostleship was now being questioned. They were taking one another to court. They were unconcerned about the conscience of fellow believers. They were pursuing dramatic gifts of the spirit over the spirit of love. As much of a train wreck as this church was. And it was. I mean, I can't think of another church that was this kind of wreck. If there was ever a time for Paul to break from the normal introduction, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ called by the will of God, if there was a time to break from the norm and just blow this church up from the word go, this was the moment. This was the opportunity for Paul to just come in, guns a blazing, and just swinging left and right. But listen to how Paul addresses them. He says this To those sanctified in Christ, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, Paul here, right here, he reminds us of a couple things. He reminds us that the church is made up of people who are converted to Jesus and that the church is a place where we grow in him together. Now, as much of a train wreck as this church was, This is how Paul addressed them. He calls them sanctified. He calls them holy. He calls them set apart by God for God. That as much of a wreck as this church has been, he still opens the letter by saying, hey, listen, remember now, you're the sanctified saints. You're the holy ones of God. Church, listen, your your life might be a mess right now. The devil might be beating you up even as I'm speaking this message. He might be beating you up over your past or the way you used to be. I just don't want you to leave here this morning forgetting who you are. You are a child of the king. You are holy. You are sanctified. You are set apart. Come on, if you believe that, clap your hands with me today. You are the sanctified saints. You've been set apart by God for him. And the mercy of God is here for you. You see, I believe that defeat only comes when people forget who they are in God. They forget who they are. They forget the name that should be over their life. They forget who it is that they're supposed to be walking with in this journey. You're a child of the king. You're holy. You're sanctified. You're set apart. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and in all knowledge. Now, listen, now here's the time that he's kind of shifted from his intro, starting to get into the meat of the letter. Now, if I'm writing this letter, if I'm Paul and we're rolling back 2000 years ago, if I'm writing this letter at this point, at least if I, if I missed it in the intro, I'm going to get it at this point, I'm blowing them up. I mean, I'm laying the ax. I am blowing this church up. I'm dropping the hammer. I'm coming in and saying, what is going on? You were unified when I left, and now when I come back, everybody's divided. There's diversity. What's happening? I'm coming in and saying that. I'm saying I see no evidence of the grace of God in your life. I don't want to hear you talk about Jesus because I don't see any evidence of Jesus in your life whatsoever. But Paul had the opportunity to do that. But Paul, hear me today. Paul was a man who was gripped by the grace of God. To a degree, Brother Bishop, that I'm not there yet. Paul knows this. Paul knows what he was forgiven of. He knows grace. He knows that sanctification is not an overnight thing, but sanctification is a process. Paul understands that. Paul has wisdom. He knows that he was a man who murdered Christians, and God intervened and redeemed him and called him home. He knows what he was redeemed from. He knows how long it took for the grace of God to begin that real deep work in his life. This this slow process of sanctification has absolutely been true in my life. And I think most of us would probably agree with that in your own account. I'm so thankful today to be standing up here and sharing with you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of him. I'm so thankful for the grace and the mercy that I have been shown. I don't want to ever reach the place, church, where I forget what the Lord has done for me. I don't want to ever get to the place where I forget about his grace, where I forget about his mercy. Thank God for his grace. None of us in this room deserve to be here, but through God's love, through his mercy, we are all invited to come, to come, to come. Paul is a man who is gripped by this grace. Now, you read it lightly, you might think that, well, maybe is he, so is he ignoring their sin? No, Paul's not doing that. He's not bypassing brother Hogan. The fact that, that, that they are a mess right now. He's, that's still a train wreck. And, and Paul's not, he's not sidestepping it. All right. He's not, he's not trying to skirt around it. You see that only happens when we abuse grace. Grace doesn't say, hey, I see this in your life and I see this going on over here, but I'm not going to say anything uh, about that. Uh, uh, I'm I'm just going to kind of sweep that under the rug. Church, that's not grace. That's cowardice. In fact, Romans would tell us that it's pretty much wrath. Grace doesn't ignore problems, but grace addresses problems, loving our way into them. Paul doesn't ignore the problem of Corinth either. He just begins with grace. He begins with grace because he knows that God is after a transformed heart. Yes, yes. You see, Paul knows that behavioral modification is an illusionary solution. I want to say that again because I want you to hear that. Behavioral modification is an illusionary solution. It's an illusionary solution. If, if we are always controlling, modifying our behavior for the people around us, what we're doing is we're creating a false view of me for me. And we are deceiving ourselves into believing that we are something other than we really are. And we take it and we hold it up to God and we say, hey, God, sanctify this, sanctify that. But I'm never holding up an honest view of who I really am to God and saying, sanctify me. Behavioral modification is an illusionary solution. And church, God is not after that. He is after a transformed heart. He is after a transformed, redeemed, renewed heart. And Paul knows this. Paul understands this, that if he just comes in guns a blazing and he just comes in and just adds to the shipwreck himself, he might lose what was already there. He goes on to say, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. I love that. The testimony here is Paul's testimony. Paul is saying, listen, I came, I preached, I preached the gospel. Then the testimony in my mouth was confirmed as true by you. This is how this works. The preacher and the hearer go hand in hand. That's what we do. We come in here. We open up the word. We preach from the word. Then the power, the authority, the truth of the word in Jesus Christ is testified in in your life and there is no better testimony to the truth and grace of the word that's preached in the gathering than your love for one another and your love for community it's the greatest testimony that the church has going on and as you dive into community into the community of the church listen you're not going to find us to be perfect people. I thought I'd hear a little bit more amens on that one. You're not going to find a perfect people. You see, sadly, we have set the expectation level so high, and we have been so disappointed with humanity, but you got to remember we're humanity. <laughs> There's a sin thing that we still got to deal with <laughs> on the daily. There's, we still got I- issues. We got weaknesses. But it's when we're transparent with those things that, that God can really step in and, and really use the church. Really use the body of Christ. Listen, you're not going to find us to be a perfect people. You're not going to find any church to be a perfect people. You're not going to find people who are rest. You're not going to find all of these different things that, oh, I thought the church was going to be this. I, I thought it was going to be so much perfection and, and so much uh, without fault. You're not going to find that. But what you will find, you're going to find people who are wrestling through the same sinful life that you are. The same fallen world that you are. And so these parentheses are so important to Paul because it's his heart for the church. It's his heart for the Corinthian church that this church in this city would be a living testimony, a living display of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his heart for the, yes. it's, it's, it's why these words are so important that he's saying all of this because he's saying, listen, I don't want your division to remove you from this. I want you to be A living testimony of the truth and the grace of the gospel of Jesus. That's why you're supposed to be united. Church, this is why we are supposed to be united. The church is united around Jesus so that we can display Jesus. That is what Paul's heart is for the church and it is what my heart, it is what Brother Rice's heart and I hope it's the heart of this church that we bind ourselves together. We link up arm to arm. We get in the boat together. We get in the fight together. Why? So that we can become a living display of the glory of God. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of the truth of his word. A testimony that we have been changed. We have been redeemed. We have a new heart. We have put on the new man. We are now a new creature and it's all in Christ Jesus this morning. If you believe Leave that would we'll just shout, "Amen and praise the Lord. We are called to be a living display, a living display, one that goes about in community, and they see Jesus. They sense His presence. No, they probably don't know that it's him at the beginning. They just feel such joy when they're around you. They feel such peace, such security. They don't know at the moment that they're coming in contact with you who it is or what it is. They just know that there's something different about you. What is it that's different about you? Friend, let me tell you what it is. It is the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is him that you are sensing and feeling and hopefully will experience. As our music comes this morning. Paul writes in Corinthians chapter 1, I believe it's verse 9. He says these words, God is faithful. Yes. This is kind of a bridge statement from what he had said and what he is going to say in the next verse. He said, God is faithful by whom you are called in the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So God has called you collectively into the fellowship of, And now because of this, he says this, hear this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. Listen, feel the emotion of Paul here. Feel his heart. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. He says, I'm pleading with you. I'm appealing to you by the name of our Lord Jesus that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. What Paul is after is people so gripped by the grace of God that unity reigns. Church, our unity was purchased by the death of a sinless Savior. Unity is applied. Unity is achieved. It, when, when, when we get those things, the only way that we're going to have unity achieved and unity applied, it requires the death of Of ourselves. Paul would say in Romans 12, prefer one another. God calls the church to be a vibrant and powerful one that bears much fruit. And the way that we do that is by working together in unity, not in perfect doctrine not in perfect systems perfect worship services or perfect leadership you see that's why we are likened to a body because what get things done is is unity in diversity yes. first corinthians 12 12 says for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many Our one body, so it is with Christ. Unity is vital to building strong and vibrant churches. Do you stand with me this morning? How many know we have an enemy today? The enemy that we fight finds no intimidation in a church that is fighting with one another no intimidation there's no fear in our enemy what really threatens Satan is a force built on one foundation and brought closer together by the love of God That's why God calls us to love one another over and over and over again in the scriptures. He values unity and He values relationships built within the parameters of His church. And the reason I feel this message this morning because it reminds me of a scripture that says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting when we become united And we become a living display of the glory of God. Church, there are miracles upon miracles upon miracles that are waiting to be poured out. He is pouring out His Spirit on those that are united. God is looking to build a church where everyone values relational unity. And the way we achieve that unity is by being united under one banner. And there is no other. banner that must be lifted high in his house than the banner of Jesus Christ he's our purpose he's our passion he's our banner that we lift up and raise high it's all about him we become living displays of his glory last thing i want to say is this you look in society in the business world there are very few organizations that experience unity very few very few why why is that why can't there be so many organizations that experience unity that everybody's on the same page everybody knows their role and knows what they're supposed to be doing why why are there so many that lack in that department bryce and here's the reason because unity must be intentionally created. Intentionally created. It is, it is not something that happens by accident. It is, it is not an oops, we're united. Okay. You see, culture is everything. The culture that you create at your workplace, the culture that you create at your home, the culture that is created in this church, culture is everything. And a healthy culture does not happen by accident. You will never hear the reporter go up to the winners of a World Series or a Super Bowl or a major championship. You will never hear the reporter say, how in the world did you guys pull off this victory? How did you guys do it? You will never hear the player say, I have no idea. I literally just got off the bus, and we won! You'll never hear him say that. You know why? Because those things don't happen by accident. But they were there putting in the work. They were there putting in the time, putting in the effort. They were in the yard throwing the ball around hours upon hours upon hours, putting in the time, putting in the work. And the same will be said about this church. Hear me today. Revival will come when we place a high value on unity, when we become a living display of the glory of God, when we get intentional about this thing, when we don't just sit back and say, oh, whatever happened? happens whatever will be will be Whatever's the will of God is the will of God no I trust the will of God but I know that there's a work involved that I've got to be intentional about my life yeah. i got to live intentionally because if I don't I'll live off of impulse and for those of you who have tried it you can testify today that that is a train wreck Let's be intentional with one another. Let's be a living display that he's called us to be. Let's display the glory of God. The glory of God is displayed in our unity. How are they going to know you're my disciples? How are they going to know you're my followers? How are they going to know? How are people going to know? They're going to know. They're going to know by your love for one another. I didn't come here today thinking there's so much division going on in this church that I felt so compelled to preach this message today. That's not why I'm up here preaching this message today. I'm up here preaching this message because this is a church, as Brother Bishop said, this is a church with a prophecy. This is a church that is holding a word from God where we are headed somewhere. And I know that the enemy knows where we're headed. he's fighting he's pushing us back as best as he possibly can but when the people of God become one when we are united, Genesis 11, he told those people, I know they got off on the wrong track and they started to worship the tower rather than the reason for why they were building the tower. They were building the tower so that they could worship God more enthusiastically. But they started worshiping their efforts and, whoa, we can build the tower. We can do this. I get it. It's a negative thing. But there's a positive point to the whole message. Jesus, or the God says, this, he said, there is nothing that shall be withheld from them. Because they have become one. Church, this, I see this building over here. It's a beautiful building. But you know what? Kind of having that picture there, it actually kind of puts a limit. Because I believe that the things that God has for us are way higher and bigger than this building. And we're going to see it. I said we're going to see it when we are united